Welcome to the Joyrific Podcast, where we teach you about Joyrific. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? If somebody's never heard of Joyrific, you can teach them about the emotions and flipping your lid and caution. Joyrific means you will be nice sometimes. Joyrific is when you have this big magnet. Sometimes your parents will ask you, what are you feeling? And you would move it on to what you were feeling. And the picture shows a brain, a caution sign, and nine different kinds of emotions. Joyrific on the chart is white. Actually, the red one is angry. Blue on the charts is sad. Sad doesn't have ears. You're the only person who can move your magnet. There's also the brain. It shows both halves of your brain. The top half is when you think, what if your brain isn't communicating? Yeah, one part of your brain isn't communicating, and so you're being very mad. Or big emotion. Joyrific means the ability to analyze one's self-emotion and to act accordingly. Joyrific is just self-regulating. Joyrific is when you share your emotions, or you know how you share your emotions, or when it happened, or how you express them. Joyrific is a chart that was developed by my mother and my grandmother. Help you self-regulate, build your emotional intelligence in situations where you might not feel super comfortable to understand your emotions. And as soon as you can understand your emotions, you can know how to deal with them. That's what Joyrific means. I really like that explanation. We made a game called UT Taco Time. It has Joyrific things in it. So come join us at www.jerific.com and you can buy games, shirts, and charts to support our podcast. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I love it. Oh, look how beautiful you look. Oh, my goodness. Hang on. I meet my cute daughter. This is Brienne. I'm just bringing a chair over here. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I met you probably like 10 years ago. The Joyrific chart was made before emojis. <laughs> That's true. You guys are yeah. pretty much emoji starters. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, we have to hang this up and you have to call me on, you have to connect to the Zoom call. Okay, great. Did it work? <gasps> yes. Ah, ah, there we are. You did it. You totally did you it. Did it. You look so fun with your fancy microphone. Can you hear us okay? Yep, I can hear you. I don't know about okay, but this is what it is. So we're going with it. We're going with it. It's going to be great. At least there's no kids running around, right? I know. So here's the thing that is so cute. So I'm doing seven episodes. You guys are my seventh episode. Have you already done the others? I'm close. I'm almost close. And then I'm going to launch them all for my 40th birthday. Oh, that's so fun. So this is your introduction. I have your introduction here by my seventh child. Let's see if you can hear it. Adelaide, what does joyrific mean? Uh, happy. It means really excited and kind and happy and joyful. I want to talk about my keystone. Well, tell me more about Joyrific. It devolves from there. So she just lost two teeth, and that's like the most important topic that she could talk about. Oh, I so cute. How old is she? Five. She'll be five in June. Oh, I love that. Isn't that crazy? The little ones like sugar. That's what we say all the time. They're just like sugar. They're so joyful. So cute. So I don't really have a solid introduction. My like 17 year old can do a much better introduction. So I'm going to no, need a year old, a five year old. That's perfect. For us. <laughs> so you guys need to introduce yourselves. Tell us how you know it, how you've come, what, how you're even involved with Joyrific, and then introduce both of you. Do we know about your mom? Is your mom introduced at all on this? Because that's how I found out about it was your mom. No. Uh, well, we've kind of mentioned my mom along the way, but go for it. Okay. I was going to girls' camp. Well, it was a camp for. Um, girls ages 12 through 18 and I was helping as a camp cook and when I went I was the last person there and they said here is your bunk mate and it was your mom and right when I walked in the tent 
there was the joy, the original joyrific chart was right between our two cots, just front and center right there. And I was immediately drawn to it. And I said, tell me about that. What is that? And she told me about it. And I just loved it. And as a mother of seven children, I there's lots of feelings and emotions. And I was so interested in the concept of helping children be able to better express their emotions and to be able to identify them and to understand them. And and we stayed up till the wee hours of the morning, I think every morning, just laughing and laughing. So when we were done, I asked her to come and teach it to our children. And that's how Brienne thought about it. This is So my name is Shauna Earl. This is Brienne Earl, my oldest daughter, the oldest of seven. She is now a fifth grade teacher and you can introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Brienne Earl. And fifth, I teach fifth grade and I learned about Joyrific from my mom. And you were a teenager. Yeah, she was 12. I was at the 12. summer camp. So I was the reason you were at the summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> she was 12 years old when we learned about it. That's amazing. So I was just a mother of five children. Now that I think about it. You only, only had, had the five. five at the time. Yeah. yeah. Now that I think about it. What year was that? You were born in 99, so... It would have been 2011, probably. 2011. So, and we created the Joyific chart in 2010. So, you were, like, right there, one of the first families. And she was still chewing it over. Like, it was still a work in progress, and that's why she had brought it there to kind of think it through, and it was great. You guys were just ahead of me. So, your oldest was 12 when my oldest was 5. And so there you were seven years ahead of me with all of your kids and all of your chaos and all of the things. And it just spoke to you. Just today, I was with another friend and she'd never heard of Joyrific chart, the Joyrific anything. And I said, oh, I'm recording a podcast today. Shauna can introduce the chart to you. So if you had somebody that had never heard of it, what is it that you would say to them? What I love about the Joyrific chart is it is a chance for moms and children, well, just parents and children, families to talk about their feelings. And so the middle row is where you live most of the time. It's the happy, the, the kind, I should say, the patient, just the kind of the middle of the road where we spend most of our time. And sometimes we're super happy. We're really excited. We're really helpful. Something big is going on. And sometimes it's what they call living low, where you're down at the bottom and things aren't going so well. You're whiny, you're fussy, you're hurting, you're crying. The temper tantrum's the worst. Um or I shouldn't say the worst, but the biggest emotion of them, the biggest negative emotion and joyrific is the biggest positive emotion. And so we put our magnets on those boards and everybody, we kept on our fridge for years and years. And I still have it on my fridge. The children put their magnet, their name, each one had like a magnet was there. We use Scrabble pieces with their initial on it and they can't move each other's magnet. You can only move your own magnet. And then they would just move the magnets where they were feeling throughout the day. So I mean, they don't really move their magnet all the time, but when it really comes into play is when they're living low. So, or when they want to communicate an emotion, when they're really excited, they would put it up there or when they really were sad. And what I found with little children is a lot of times they would move it when they were upset, but they couldn't really talk about it right then. Because as you'll notice on those little emojis, there's no ears on those. And that means they can't listen and they can't really talk right then. The emotions are just too big. Um, so I got a lot of use out of that car- chart after they felt better. One of my favorite parenting books is um, Positive Discipline by Jane Nelson. And she talks about that positive timeout, meaning they're not in trouble, but they just need to kind of go re-engage the logical mind. And it dovetails beautifully with Joyrific. And so when they felt better, when I just said, we need to, we want you to feel happier. We want you to feel better. Let's kind of get you to a place where you feel better. Um We'd give them water. They'd have little snacks, whatever they needed to kind of feel better. They, Brienne had a place in her room that she would set up. It's kind of her place where she would go when she was um, needing a minute and she would go up and kind of pull herself back together. And that's where I found the joy review chart to be super powerful is when they would come back and their logical game mind was re-engaged. They had communicated where they were by putting their magnet. I knew they were mad. You don't really need the magnet at that point. You know where they're at, but it was <laughs> later that they could come back and there's that little chart on the side that explains why they might be feeling those ways. So are you, are you hungry? Are you tired? Does your body hurt? And then we said in our family, do you need a hug when the kids were little? It's the one for, do you need attention or your expectations not been met? That one. As they got older, we explained that a little bit more, but 
when they were very small, like three years old, we just said, do you need a hug? And that's where I think the joy retreat is so powerful is that they would come and put their magnet on that sign. Sometimes when a kid was really mad, they would just put the magnet right on the sign of what they needed. They wanted to communicate to me like, I'm tired. I need a hug. I'm hungry, whatever it was. But if they were too emotional, like if the emotions were too strong in the moment, I loved coming back to that and just saying, I could tell you were so sad and so upset. Tell me what you were feeling and where can you put your magnet? What was the concern that you had? And then I love to teach children, even as young as three, that they can change that, that they have the power to take care of any one of those problems. So I just told them in our family, like, if you ever are tired, you can always take a nap in our house. And if you're um, hungry, this is how you make a peanut butter sandwich, or here's the snack box, or you can, you know, these are the treats you can eat whenever you want the snacks, you know, you're always welcome to these if you're hungry. If your body hurts, here's where we keep the (laughs) band-aids, because usually at that age, that's what they need. Here's the band-aids. And if you need a hug, we just reassure him how much we always love to come give him a hug and to just come tell us that you need a hug right now or you're frustrated. Or So to us, it was just a really beautiful, and still is, but it's a talking piece. It's a place that helps them understand that they need help and what help do they need? And even better, how can they solve their own problems? by understanding what it is and then taking care of it. I think so many times we spend so much energy just being upset and not being able to communicate the need that it just, it blows up before we can ever, it it just takes too much energy to get to the place where we can solve the problem. And I think Joyrific is a master tool at helping kids solve the problem way back here. I shouldn't say solve, identify the problem way back here with a lot less energy on everyone's part. And then it gives more energy to solve it. I also think it's empowering for children to realize that mom and dad and siblings were all on their team. So when they have those big emotions that can be seen as super negative or frustrating to others, the truth is we want them to feel better. We know that they don't feel good feeling that way. And we don't feel good when they're, nobody likes that when they're there. So the whole goal is how do we help them to get back in control as quickly as possible? And, um, and then we can kind of come back and process a little bit with that. I, I loved how you said solve the solve the problem, but really the problem that we're solving is that the kid gets to solve the problem, right? Like That's the best part. That is the best part. But until children have the words, you know, like I'm hungry, I'm, you know, those four things cover most of the concerns in life <laughs> for babies all the way to grandmas, even for adults. They cover most of our problems. And so in one shape or form. And so I think with little children, it's just so empowering to say, here's what I need. And we're all happy to fix it. I mean, we're all happy to support them in fixing it or give them what they need. Nobody wants a hungry child or a tired child. We all want to help, but sometimes we just don't know what it is. So when they can figure out what it is, it it makes all of our lives better. I love that. We have ours on our fridge. And then we also have one by our stairs. And we do like thinking stairs a lot and like sit on your, sit on the Uh, stairs. Like it's kind of a central place. And I have had four-year-olds that have sat on the stairs, looked at the chart by themselves. Cause I'm kind of there, but like letting them like have their space. Mm -hmm. And then they climb up the stairs, go to their room, lay on their bed and take a nap without ever having to say anything. They were just able to identify it and then go and rest. And it wasn't a punishment. It was what they chose to do. They knew that they needed it. And I just feel like that's so, it's just the most beautiful skill to learn because then when you become an adult, you can regulate your own emotions better because you're teaching them to regulate their own emotions as a little child. Yeah. And the truth is that never really changes. We all have the same general emotions and same general needs. And I think when we learn to regulate that as a child, it makes our adult life a lot easier. Yeah, especially because you... I have the best story oh, that I want to bring myself. This is the story of when we were at a family reunion and we had a little cousin who is just in general, a sensitive personality with big emotions. And without any of us knowing, all the parents were busy inside. We were all, all inside. There were no parents out there. And this is the cutest story about Brianna, this cousin. And, and she was 12, right? Brianna, how old were you? 12, 13? We're in there. Yeah, something like 13. that. Yeah, something like that. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember he was frustrated or upset about something and he stormed off. 
and I went over and was talking to him and he was just really upset and couldn't really vocalize why he was so upset. Then, um, so I just went through like the chart and was like, well, are you hungry? It's like, no. Are you tired? It's like, no. Are you hurting? No. Have your expectations not been met? And he's like, what does that mean? And I was like, okay, you're right. <laughs> I didn't explain that. So I explained more of like, well, sometimes when we want something and we don't get it or we, or it doesn't turn out the way we wanted it to or the way we hoped it would, that's frustrating. And we feel frustrated when that happens. And he was like, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. So then that was empowering for him to then say, okay, wait, my emotions are not being met. My expectations are not being met right now. And so how can I have them be met? And so we talked about a way to, I, for whatever the problem was, we talked about a way of how we could meet his expectations for that situation. And and he felt better. <laughs> the cute part of the story is his mother had caught wind that there was a scuffle out there. The cousins were out on the trampoline. There was a little scuffle. She'd caught wind of that. So she went out to help. And she put him downstairs in the basement just to have some quiet time for a minute to really engage his logical mind without realizing what she was doing. But she's just a wonderful, natural mother. And she knew he needed to cool off. So he, she let him cool off for a minute down there. And then she went downstairs and says, Andrew, how are you doing? And he says, Mom, my expectations haven't been met. <laughs> He was like six years old or something. He was little. And she was so confused. She was like, wow. Okay. Tell me more about that. And he explained the story that, that the whole story would have just transpired. And she came up and told me what had happened. And that's how we got this cute story of how cousin helped a cousin kind of figure out what was going on. And it was a cute story. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that. I love that so much. And that gave me hope because I had the then like six and under my five little kids. And it gave me hope that when they were teenagers, like they would grasp it and understand it and then help others. And I loved that story. I've always loved that story. <laughs> so that's what she does all the time now. Tell them about your classroom and how you use it there. Yeah, I use it all the time. I use without even necessarily referencing the poster all the time. I just reference kind of that chart all the time uh but i have the poster in my classroom i have one of the original joy riffics <laughs> in my classroom on my whiteboard um and i teach fifth grade like i said so 10 and 11 year olds and there's a lot of times when they come in and they're feeling really big emotions but they don't know how to say it and they can't vocalize it so it kind of just helps give kids words to what they're feeling and helps them be able to communicate what they're feeling because and identify what they're feeling but sometimes I find that they know what they're feeling but they don't know how to say it and so then when I can go through and say okay let's go through like are you and break it down into smaller pieces that they can identify is helpful so are you hungry are you tired um expectations have they been met or are you hurting and then we can go from there and then find a solution from there and breaking it into smaller chunks is helpful for them. So as you do it in your classroom, like starting back in August to now, which it's like April, tell me how the kids do it differently. Cause you don't, you don't live with these kids. You're not their parent, but you're just there as their teacher. How does mm -hmm. it, how do they start grasping it from August to April? When do you feel like they really understand it and can communicate that better with you? Uh, I would say probably around like January ish, like Christmas time, January ish um, is when there's kind of a maturity shift where they kind of go from like, okay, yeah, this is the way we do things in fifth grade. This is our, you know, this is our routine. This is how we do things. And I think that's when they can kind of come more to me and say, like, Miss Earl, I'm hungry. We say, okay, how are you going to fix that problem? And then, then they can help me come up with some solutions and some ways that we fix it together. But I would say probably like, yeah, like November to January ish is where I kind of see a shift of kids where they can, they realize like, uh, they have that empowerment to communicate. That's Awesome. Tell us more about your calm corner or your whatever it is that you call it in your classroom that they get to go to. 
Yeah, so I have a calm corner. That's what it's called. It's just a little desk in the corner and there's kind of some like fidget toys and some um, just I have little posters back there of like, how do we, you know, regulate ourselves and how do we kind of work through our emotions and identify our emotions. And um, we talk about it right at the beginning of the year. Like, this is what it is. We have a calm corner. We use it for these purposes and really it's for anyone who feels like they need it whether you're feeling any of those big emotions that's what it's for so you're feeling really sad maybe you're feeling too excited and you're you need to reel it in a little bit maybe you're feeling frustrated or maybe you're feeling anxious any of the big emotions that come in life then you can go to the calm corner and the way it works is they just say hey Mr. Earl, can I go to the calm corner and then my answer is always yes and there's a little timer back there um, so they can set the timer and for five minutes and then they just get to have five minutes to themselves. So, and whatever they, whatever they choose to do back there is up to them. There's a little like notepad. They can draw if they want. They can play with the fidget toys. They can get a drink of water. They can um, like look at the posters, they can do breathing exercises. There's a little book back there. There's all sorts of like tools that we've talked about throughout the year, like how we can regulate our emotions. And so they get to go back there and then five minutes later, they come back to their seat. But what I do is I'll always go over and check in at some point during that time and be like, hey, how are we doing? What can I do to help you? What's going on? You know, and then that's a good opportunity for them to share share how they're feeling and how I can help them and lets them know too that I'm here to help and I'm on their team. I I love one of the things that you said is that you would like when they come to you, you say, how would we solve that? And you don't just tell them how to solve it. Obviously, you know what it is that's happening to them. And but you help them to solve it. Tell me more about that. And Shauna, anything that you've seen or you because you've you raised her the right way. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Thanks to Joy Riffick. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I, it's something that they kind of get frustrated with me about sometimes where they're like, just tell me the answer. Um, but so, like, I mean, this happens all the time where they're like, Miss Earl, I don't have a chair. I'm like, bummer. <laughs> Shoot, we don't have a chair darn how can we help like how can I help you with that you know and they're like okay well I guess I can go get a chair I'm like there you go you know like it happens all the time where Miss Earl I don't have a pencil okay darn <laughs> it happens all the time but um so at this point in the year too they're used to that that has been one of the shifts too where they've shifted their their questions from more of comments to actual questions that I can help them with. And so instead of saying something like, Hey, I don't have a pencil. They'll say, Hey, Miss Earl, can, would, can you give me a pencil? Or, or with, in terms of like emotions, then instead of them coming in and just yelling, then they'll come in and they'll say, Miss Earl, I'm angry. <laughs> Or, or like, Miss Earl, I need to talk. Or Miss Earl, can I have a hug? And and like things like that. I'm like, yes, great, thank you. Like, I love that you explained that to me and you shared your your needs with me. That's awesome. I always talk to them about it afterwards. That so that was really good because it's not something everyone can do. And there, and we talk about it too. That like, I'm still learning too, and they're learning, and we're all there's all always times when we need where we can look back and say, Ooh, I did not handle that very well. I could have regulated those emotions a little bit differently, but, but you know, we always got to start somewhere. And so, yeah, with emotions, especially, I think it it's turned, it's shifted from instead of just coming in and just showing anger, they'll come in and they'll vocalize that they're angry, which is a big win for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What things I felt really um, empowered as a mother with Joyrific is that it taught me about the neuroscience of how the blood drains from the top, from the thinking portion of our brains. It drains down into kind of that fight or flight. I remember your mom saying, um, sometimes the bear in the forest is the teacher, or sometimes the bear in the forest is the mother. 
or the father. And so, you know, that fight or flight of like, they're going to fight or they're going to, or just run or, you know, whatever. It's just their thinking brain turns off and they just go into that instinct mode. And we've all seen it. We've seen it in the classroom. You've seen it in your families where you've seen it yourself, where you just, um, Jane Nelson calls it flipping your lids. It's the same thing. It's just where that thinking brain turns off. And all of a sudden you're just kind of in survival mode. And I did not know that as a young mother. I didn't understand that that just physiologically was what was happening in their bodies. And I remember your mother shared the cutest story. She was a middle school principal. And she said, when kids come in just really mad and they're really in trouble and they've got their, you know, all their just got their dukes up, so to speak, you know, she said she would sit them down and say, I'm very busy right now. I really want to get to you, but I've got to take care of something. And she would just, of course, she's busy anyway, but she would give them a, a water bottle, a cold water bottle. And she'd say eight ounces of water will often re-engage that logical mind. And so I thought that was the most brilliant teaching strategy I'd ever heard of, or I guess leadership strategy in her case. And so then sure enough, she'd go busy herself, <laughs> let them drink the water, let them calm down. But really what she was doing was not taking, I mean, the, the busy stuff didn't matter. She was really giving them a minute to re-engage their logical mind. I just found that to be genius. And what, what I mistake I made as a young mother is that I thought, I mean, I was preaching the lesson right then when they were mad. I just didn't understand this concept that there were no ears. They could not hear. It was going in, you know, they were too upset. It just didn't matter. To try to reason with an upset two-year-old was useless. And But I didn't know that as a young mother. I thought I should teach the lesson right then when they were falling apart, you know. And so Joyrific for me was super helpful because when I realized that this is just what was happening in their bodies, that this is just how our body responds, then all of a sudden... It wasn't a personal defiant attack. It wasn't, I didn't get so upset anymore. I didn't, I just understood, oh, I get it. They're just, have flipped their lid. They just can't think right now. And so that ties into this notion of like, how do we help you feel better? So again, then I become on their team. Like this is out of control. You don't feel happy when you're out of control. I don't feel happy. Nobody likes it when you're out of control. So let's take a minute, drink a glass of water or get a granola bar or whatever you need, or just be in your room for a few minutes. Um, one of my children was very strong-willed. And when they would leave angry, I learned to just finally let them go have a minute in their room and to be, you know, and they would always come back. Sorry. They were always, but timeout never worked for that child. Cause then they were the victim. They were upset. They were, you know what I mean? It was just, yeah. I became the forest. I mean, they were just mad. Um, but if I would let them have a minute to calm down, they always came back. Sorry. And they could see it. And we could talk about it. And it was a learning experience instead of um, one where they just dug their heels in deeper and they were more angry and more upset. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like almost more. So I, I love that piece of joyrific. I feel like as a mother, it was one of my biggest parenting wins was just to understand how our brain worked. I love and that. How they're well, I love that. And the control aspect, because some of those very strong-willed kids, which I was one of those strong-willed kids. I have several strong-willed kids. The yes. they they don't like being controlled. I don't like being controlled. But allowing mm -hmm. them to have the full control, only they can move their magnet. Only yep. if they if they're not tired, they don't have to be tired. That's fine. Even though I I know that you are very yeah. tired, <laughs> but okay, you're not tired. That's fine. Like no problem. Yeah. I, I'm able to keep my magnet on the kind. And I will be as kind as I can be, even though you are having the biggest temper tantrum possible. I'm not going to control you. I can only control me. And that's really helped me a lot. That's really probably what started the Joyrific chart is my oldest. She was five. She's a very strong personality. And I'm yeah. a very strong personality. And we were having those issues. And so my mom just said that, that that's kind of the beginning of it. And it started as a red, yellow, green light on our fridge. And the thing about the red, yellow, green light, and I know in a lot of classrooms, there's a lot of red, yellow, green light, is those kids, it works for some, but for some kids, it just doesn't work for them. And it makes this like public shaming of when you are on the red. And, and that just doesn't help those kids that need to have that control and to like, don't boss me around. Don't tell me to move my clip. Like I'm in charge of my clip. Or, 
And, and that's where a lot of the history of Joyrific came is my mom's experience in classrooms, helping these teachers to work with those kids that were hard to work with. And yeah. Oh, so my fifth grader, I have a fifth grader right now. We were talking about Joyrific and I actually said, um, I said to her, Astrid, you need to explain to me what Joyrific is because it's a made up word. She said, what? Joyrific's <laughs> a made up word? You're like, mom, what the? It's not in our house. We know what it is. Yeah, it was funny. And the thing that she said about it, she was like reflecting on what Joyrific was and what it meant. And she said, mom, it means that you always say to us, I believe in you. Like, oh, that's really, really sweet. And she said, and I know it's because you're very busy. And your story about my mom makes that really funny because (laughs) my very busy is not always because I'm very busy. because. I need them to solve it on their own. And she was actually making scrambled eggs when we were talking about this. And and I had said in that conversation, I believe in you because, I don't know, she needed to help with something or something. And yeah. it, it, that was a cute tie into what happened yesterday with her saying that. It empowers her. And then I just love seeing these kids grow up and I mean, she has it in her classroom, but I've got other kids on missions and on, you know, in college and, and they don't have the joyrific chart. It's just in their heart now. Like it's in their minds now. They understand it now that it's just these principles of how their body works and how their emotions work. And, and I, I tell my kids all the time, you're going to see this as adults. This does not change. The principles in joyrific are ones that apply to two-year-olds till you're 92, like forever. They're your whole life. We all... Um, have emotions and we all, you know, our minds still work the same way. And, and so it's simplified in a beautiful way for children, but I think the principles apply for all ages. And, and I feel like in many ways, it's such a simple, empowering tool, even for a three-year-old, but, but really it reaps the even deeper benefits, I think, as they get older and go into young adulthood and to um, adulthood where they can learn how to manage life with other people that may or may not have these skills and may or may not have this understanding that they can um, just see the world through a joyrific lens. Yes. I love that. My, my 17 year old came home the other day and she said, mom, it just blows my mind that people don't know about joyrific. And they, (laughs) she was just talking about how a kid at school, she was in a group project or something and was like having this massive meltdown about what the ex-boyfriend did and the, the whatever, whatever. And she's like, only you can move your magnet. And this girl (laughs) didn't know what she was meaning. And she's like, I can't believe that like 16 year olds, 17 year olds don't know this. It's true. Another interesting principle of the only you can move your magnet that I do like to also teach children is that you can only move your magnet, but your feelings do affect our whole family. So when you are whining, it hurts my ears. And then my body hurts. (laughs) And so I can still control my actions based on that. You're not controlling me, but you are an important piece in our family. And how you regulate your emotions affects the rest of the family too. You matter in this family. You're an important piece of this. And so I love that. And it's same with your classroom too, right? Like every kid is an important piece of it. And that's why there's that calm corner because we all need Mm -hmm. to function together. And we all help each other. When one has a meltdown, there is a measure of like, okay, they need a minute or let's give them some space or maybe they need help with something, you know, like how can we help? When I had three little, I had three little boys in a row. They're all big now, but they were three little boys in a row. And I call them my little pack of puppies. Cause there's always a ball flying and they were just buddies. <laughs> and, but when one had their feelings hurt, I would often say, man down, we've got a man down. And they would go and like, how can we help that one? You know, that needs it. So we do affect each other. So there's this notion that, we are, you know, agents unto ourselves to act and not be acted upon. That is a true principle. Only you can move your magnet. That is also a true principle. But another true principle is that we affect each other because we all live together. We're all a family. We're all in the same classroom. And, and what can we do to see the needs of others and to help each other, including how can I regulate my emotions so that I don't negatively impact the entire family as well? As a mom. I think they realize, yeah, and as a mom, it's the same. Like, what can I do to... Um, I have come to realize over the years that a mother's voice is a lot like a diffuser. You know, those little like 
I don't even have one, but you know what I'm talking about, like the little diffusers and they diffuse the essential oils into the air and the whole house kind of smells like orange or whatever. I don't even have one, but, but I think a mother's voice and you could say parent or teacher as well. Like I think whoever's the adult in the room, so to speak, I think that is a lot like that diffuser. And if we spend our energy um, angry and upset and kind of diffusing that, you know, the emotions on the living low, it, it spreads that around. And even though we only move our magnets, it does still diffuse that emotion into the family. And I think instead, if we spend, uh, I think there's a lot of power in a mother's voice of saying things like, I believe in you. I've got confidence in you, but you can't blow smoke because kids will see right through it. You have to really mean it. But I think when we speak positively and when we help kids understand their emotions and when we help um, express our confidence in children, there's and a lot of I love yous and I see yous and that kind of things. It's like that diffuser that just kind of spreads through the air. And again, nobody can move my magnet, just myself. But I've come to realize that there's a lot of power, especially in the mother, in my voice, in my tone of voice, in the words I say. I um, love and that. I this what you're saying. I think also because often, I mean, we both have big families. Often yeah. it's the teenagers. I it was you at being the older kid that was in charge when mom and dad were away and something that we tried really hard to do. And I want to hear what your perspective is on it too, is we tried really hard to say like the relationship is what matters because our mm-hmm. oldest would want to control the situation and control the little ones. And I mean, they're not controllable. And so the relationship is what matters most. So I don't care if the dishes are destroyed or the house is a mess or all of those things. Like I just care and my husband says all the time, relationship comes first. So how is it that you handled that when you were home being the the oldest child in charge? How how did Joy Riffick kind of help you? And maybe you were terrible. I doubt it. <laughs> it works because they all love this girl right here. She is everybody's buddy. Uh, well, I think it was just like because I had tools to say like, okay, look, we're here we're in the angry or we're in the upset or whatever. And then we could move from there. And so it wasn't just, I could learn to not engage the power struggle to just say, Oh dear, we're in a tantrum. We got to let that cool down first and then we can talk about it. But um, I think I learned that quickly because when we had the tool just right there on the fridge, then it was used all the time. So we could just say, we just reference it. And then when I was in charge, it was still just kind of the same, same plan, just different person enforcing the plan, but it's the same plan. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. It's hard. It's good. It's wonderful. Like all of these things. And the friend that I was just talking to, she said, Anyways, we had this long conversation, but I said, you know what? My kids are doing okay. They like love each other. They're happy. They're getting along. And she's like, how do you get them to get along? I thought, oh, <laughs> well, you need to listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Joy Riffin makes a difference. It just does because when they understand their emotions, they're a lot less frustrating with them. They're frustrated with themselves. I'm saying they're a lot less when there's an internal struggle in a child, the natural response is to lash out, to tease, to bring somebody else down. So you feel better about your own situation. All those, that's the, just the natural response. And so I think when we can help children feel more confident and more in control of their own emotions and their own lives, the natural response is for them to reach out and help others and to see somebody besides themselves because there's more peace in their own heart. Balance. Yeah. Yeah. And when they have their meltdowns, which they will, I mean, there's no illusions of perfection around here. So when they do, and when I do, and when we all do, there's a kind of a measure of grace too, because we understand what's happening. (laughs) They're like, Oh, they're flipping their lid or, Oh, mom has had a really long day today. She's tired. Let's send her to bed. You know, like there's just a measure of grace because it's less personal and it's more like just physiological, you just understand like they're just done or she hasn't eaten all day. Let's make her some food or whatever. You know, you just, yeah. it's almost easier to see the need when it's broken down into four categories and 
And when you understand the neuroscience behind it, you're like, okay, this isn't personal. They just need help. <laughs> yeah. And we can do it. And and I love that there is no, none of us are perfect by any means. I mean, no. I use the chart for me all the time and, Absolutely. and helping. And I think, and I, I just talked about this with somebody else too, the masking that some parents and adults do of, and we learn to it. We learn to do. We learn to mask because it's not okay to always show your emotions very strongly in situations professionally. Yeah. But when you're in that family setting, helping them to know and understand that the professional setting and your home setting, uh, it bleeds into each other, and it affects just like school affects them at home. Professional, you know, yeah. like it all is. It, it's all intertwined, and this is our safe space. Yeah. So let's figure out how we can collaborate together and help each other out. So we do QT time. Have I told you guys about QT time? You have, but I don't think Brianna knows about it. Tell her. It's so super cute. QT time, it's quality time together. And um, we set a timer for every year old that the kid is. So my five-year-old gets five minutes, which actually young kids get so much endless time from a mom one-on-one because right. they're the babies. But <laughs> My eight, my 17 year old, she gets 17 minutes and we set a timer and we sit and it's one-on-one attention. I'm, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not looking at other notifications. I am just here for you during this time. We can do whatever it is that they want. And some people call it mind, body, soul time. I mean, whatever it is that you want to call it, but we're able to have that time together to build that relationship. Cause I think that's a huge part of the joy Rific chart. It's not just the communication tool, it's then the trusting relationship that goes along with it. And that's how we have done it as kids. How did you help your kids or talk with your kids? Because I know that you, Shauna, you just naturally do it. How is it that that was a part of your life? A part of you growing? I've recently with it. I think one of the things that's, um, I'm on my fourth, so seven children, number six is a boy, and I've had three boys. So now I've got another boy. And it's making me smile because now you've, I've seen it before. I'm like, oh, this is what 10-year-old boys, you know, they get that little like testosterone boost and I call it like their wings kind of start to spread and they get a little spunk and they start to have an opinion on a few things that they didn't before. And you're like, oh, okay, okay, I, I see it. And it has been helpful to just recently, he kind of went through that little, he's been the sweetest, most mild child. He still is, but he kind of hit that little, you know, 10, 11 year old boost of testosterone where you're starting to stretch your wings a little bit and start to have a little more opinions on things. And, and it's been helpful to have this triggerific chart to talk about things like, okay, I've seen this before. This is just a stage. This is, I know what's coming and, and revi- like revisiting it to that particular stage is helpful. And then when they go through other, you know, kind of tender stages, you're like, okay, this is, why this matters to you at this stage. And I think that's really helpful with teenage years. I mean, my teenagers aren't moving magnets anymore. And that I mean, we're kind of past that magnet stage with the kids now, but the chart never loses its power. And I think, um, I think you can adapt it to the world they're living in. I think that's really important is to, when they're little, it's a bandaid when they're hurt. And when they're little, it's a peanut butter sandwich, but you know, when they're teenagers, it's a little different. So I take them on dates. We go on, you know, go grab a bite to eat together. It's kind of like your QT time. It's those types of things where it's just that one-on-one time where you're checking in. Another thing is really effective for us is we call it snuggle time. And I just, when they go to bed at night, we don't do it every night, but we try. We don't get every kid every night, but it's the concept of um, what was the happiest part of your day? What was the saddest part of your day? I, and then I end the day with a compliment. Sorry, the third part is gratitude. What was something you were grateful for today? And then the last one is I give them a compliment. So when they go to bed at night, the last thing they heard from me was something I noticed about them in that day. And that simple ritual has paid dividends for us. But again, it kind of ties into this whole concept of emotions and where are you at? What was the happy today? What was the sad today? I have been shocked on many days when I thought I knew what happened in the day. And then when I had that quiet moment with them at night, I have been surprised many, many times at what comes out that was their happiest or their saddest day that I had not heard about. They had not shared that in the after school excitement or just even at the dinner time conversation or, you know, in the evening, I had never heard about it. And then at the end of the day, 
it has surprised me almost more times than not. I have been surprised by that answer. So, and then there's that pit, you know, that touch of gratitude to try to help them think of something, you know, to be grateful for. And then that, I just love that little compliment to end. But I feel like Joyrific, just to go back to your question more specifically, I think that at different times in their life, they might need help um, fitting it into their particular circumstances, if that makes sense. Like, so when teenagers come home and they have hurt feelings because a friend wasn't kind, it's been helpful to be able to talk about that chart and just and try to delve into a little bit like maybe that friend is hurting and maybe, you know, what what's going on in that friend's life that is causing them to have these hurtful reactions to you or to the things you said today or what, you know, what's the need that they're missing and how does that affect you and how do you want to choose to respond to that? And um, same with young adults and relationships and as they go on dates and those kinds of things, there's something powerful about the principles never change, but helping them learn to adapt that into the new situations and the new stages there. And whether it be the little 10 year old boy that's stretching his wings a little bit, or the teenager that's going on their first date and feeling new emotions, or whether it's a, a child going to college and having new you know, experiences, maybe there's some new emotions there. Anyway, it applies to our whole lives, but as a parent, I think it's helpful to um, maybe help them see the application in the different stages. I love it gets that. A, you know what I mean? It's a little more than you need a Band-Aid and here's your granola bar. Obviously, it gets a little trickier as they get older. And so they need, they have the skills, they have the principles, but sometimes it needs like a refresher course or just to be able to see it through a new lens. Yeah. And it, it can adapt depending on... Yeah. And my mom went through cancer and it was interesting to see how the terrific chart adapted to that and how she's a very, very strong person. And she was not, she got beat down pretty, pretty low and, and those feelings and what to do in those scenarios. And I, I, I mean, I'm an adult and it was hard on me to see my mom, who's a much older adult to then. And then we just reflected on how, when we as moms are beat down, how that affects the kids. And, and it's just Mm -hmm. a cycle that continues on. But the joy of it is when the children can see you as a human, I actually think it's a gift we give our children. I think I really do. I think that when children can realize that mom, I think it's almost a developmental piece, but when they get to the place where they realize I have feelings, um, it's a big thing to me when they, (laughs) and I think it's a gift because it makes them more sensitive spouses in the future when they realize that moms get tired and moms get hungry and, and we need to take care of our, you know, we have feelings on that joyrific map too, just like they do. And our needs are the same as their needs. I think that's also empowering to a child because then it puts them in a position of being able to help that same little 10 year old boy loves to carry my purse up to bed for me at night or loves to do all sorts of things like come and, you know, give me extra hugs when I, when I'm, feeling stressed and he can, he can sense it. He will be the first one to run up and um, come give me a hug, those kinds of things. But again, it shows that I'm normal and I'm real and I'm human. And I think sometimes kids think moms are just superheroes, which we probably are. Right. (laughs) I'm kidding. I think it's important that they also see that we're human and that we're real because it gives them permission to be human and real as they grow into adulthood and as they have children someday, it gives them permission to say, it's okay that I'm tired. My mom got tired too. It's yeah. okay that I need a nap in the day. Naps are a healthy thing, not a sign of weakness. My mom took naps too, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think, oh, mom got sick. It's okay if I get sick. This is just normal life. And I can expect, you know, I can take care of myself. I can expect others to support me in that. I think it's super, super healthy for children to see that parents are real people too. I love that. I could do this for days with you guys. I just love talking. Oh my goodness. Is there any last advice or tips for those young moms or any teachers out there that are thinking about this and how it is that they could implement it and find success with the Joyrific? I feel like just, just take the pieces that resonate with you and try them. And then if, if it works, awesome. Keep moving forward. If it doesn't, then adjust it and try something else. Yeah. But just take something and just try it. 
That was my awesome. biggest tip is to remember the part that don't that doesn't have the ears. I was taught gyrific once, and it wasn't until I sat through it a second time that I remembered that part again. So once I remembered that, I was grateful for that. So just remember on that little chart, some of the people have ears and some don't have ears. The ones that don't have ears, I think is a powerful reminder to me as a mom of when to choose my teaching times. But most of all, just like Brianne said, give it a try and see if it blesses your life. It has been one of my very favorite parenting tools of all the parenting tools. And it's probably been the one I've shared the most with people because it's so simple. It's so usable. If you don't use the magnet, even if you just keep it on your fridge as a conversation piece, it teaches such powerful principles that you can make it as elaborate and it's intricate as you want, or you can just use it as a, as a teaching tool, but it has been probably one of my very favorite pieces of parenting. So thanks to you and your mom. Oh, I appreciate you guys coming on so much. I think, I think the, the best part about you, Shauna, and being part of this is we could see the truth of Joyrific so easily. We created it. But then when you, who are a few years ahead of me, were able to see it and implement it, and it worked with your 12-year-old, and it just was really passionate. And I have felt so sad the last 10 years that I haven't really done anything with Joyrific. But now here it is. I'm at the stage you were that I'm able to, like I can see those changes and I can see, I mean, I've had seven two-year-olds and you just see that and sometimes I get around moms where it's their first two-year-old and I think oh you know what this is gonna be just fine they are gonna make it through this not a problem you're gonna be okay but you forget and it's so or you don't know like it's just so hard I two-year-old too you know and we were all there I'm still there my first is still my first yes and my baby's always my baby right like it's we're always learning as mothers we've never arrived I love that. I love that. Well, I'm going to hang up now because I could really talk for days. I love you. And you're awesome. And I appreciate it. And if you need anything else, if the sound is bad, let us know. Hugh Bryce came down and made an egg in the middle of that. Sorry, he didn't Uh, probably realize he'd be quite so quiet. So just know if you need anything, we're happy to do whatever you need. I just adore you. And I'm so happy you're doing this. And send me your link and everything. I'll, I'll spread it around. I think it's such a win. Oh, you're wonderful. It really is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite tools of all time. And I see it in the world every day. And I love, I've also, like any parenting thing I I come across or I've seen, because I've done a lot of research, I think, oh, like that goes right here in the Joyrific chart. Like that, that little piece of truth you're talking about could fit right in here. That's why I love it. I feel like it's just this little super colorful, happy, darling, very usable um, tool that makes parenting easier. So thanks. We love you. Wonderful. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) Together and play against you. Okay. Sit on your bed first in your cul-de-sac. Yes. Yes. You need to. In the cul-de-sac. I love that. Oh my goodness. Fly up. We'll see you soon. All right. Well, I love you to pieces. Love you too. Thanks. We'll chat with you later. Okay. Bye.